What if I told you whichever candidate was favored, they want to become the U.S. president, actually ends up losing, and the underdog nobody is paying attention to is typically the one that wins. So we went back and looked at numbers, our research team. Here's what we noticed. Jeb Bush, most money raised, lost. Hillary Clinton, most money raised, twice she lost. Once to Obama, once to Trump. Now, just a couple months ago, they were talking about the fact that Ron DeSantis, the great governor, nobody did a better job than him during COVID. No one did. I'm in Florida because of him. $130 million with a super PAC. Another $20 million. Race. Everyone said it's over with. This guy's going to win it. They're about to fire a third of their staff. So this is what we did. We went and found list of people that were the biggest underdogs that ended up winning. We looked at who raised how much money, what qualities people look at, what gaffes they had. And then a couple funny clips will show you and who is the current underdog that could eventually be your president. Okay, so if you get value from this video, give it a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. Let's get right into it. So the biggest triumphs, underdogs coming out of nowhere. The first one we're going to look at is Abraham Lincoln against William Seward. In 1860, the Republicans expected to win the presidency with their strong candidate, William H. Seward, a polished, influential former governor and senator from New York. His only serious rival for the party's nomination was Abraham Lincoln, a politician from the backwood states of Illinois who was little known in the powerful eastern states. Lincoln proved the better politician. As a native son, he secured all the votes from the Illinois delegates. His campaign workers made sure to seat Lincoln supporters close to critical delegations. They printed counterfeit admission tickets to the convention to pack the hall with Lincoln backers and leave little room for Seward supporters. And through these tactics and backroom bargaining, Lincoln gained the nomination. In November, he won the presidency because the anti-Republican votes were divided between three pro-slavery candidates. And now some say Abraham Lincoln is one of the greatest presidents we've ever had. Next, Truman against Dewey. Five to 15 point underdog. Truman had taken office after Roosevelt's death in 1945 and faced numerous challenges during his term. Even the newspaper announced Dewey defeats Truman based on early results and expectation. Nobody thought Truman was going to win, but Truman traveled nearly 22,000 miles by election day at one point given 13 speeches in one day. And they were said to be very passionate speeches, advocated for civil rights, and USSR containment considered one of the biggest political comebacks of all time. And maybe one of the greatest pictures ever taken in politics in newspapers is when Truman is holding the paper that says, Dewey defeats Truman. The ultimate underdog story at the time he makes in the top five stories. The next one is Nixon against John F. Kennedy. This is very interesting because nobody knew who John F. Kennedy was. They kind of looked at him as, look, your father Joseph's been doing everything for you. Yeah, you're Congress. Yeah, your Senate, but Nixon, two-term vice president. Like, this is the guy that's gonna be the next president. But what ends up happening? The national sentiment turned in Kennedy's favor when the first televised debates were held. Kennedy was much better looking and charismatic than Nixon. What a lot of people don't know the night before, Nixon didn't shave. He didn't think it was a big deal because when it was on radio, Nixon had a great voice. Like, this guy's got it on TV. JFK went to sleep. He was very well-rested. He went to tanning bed. He looked good. Nixon had a flu. Obviously, all of this worked against Nixon. And knowing the fact that JFK's dad, Joseph, was a master at marketing, he's kind of behind closed doors saying, here's what we're going to do. This is what's going to happen. My son's a better looking guy. You're going to win in this area. And obviously, it worked in their favor. This was enough to give JFK a razor-thin victory over the favorite 
Richard Nixon. This next one's a little bit crazy because it's Reagan against Carter. And most of the time when we hear the story, we hear about the shellacking, you know, Reagan gave Carter because it's like, oh, 49 out of 50 states. But what most people don't realize, Carter was the president, he was the incumbent, and he's going up against the governor. But up until the last week, President Carter had a definite lead, even with America's concern about the economy and the Iran hostage crisis, he still had the lead. Reagan turned it around with his polished performance in the campaign's one televised debate. It had one of the highest TV ratings of any show in the previous decade. The debate is remembered for Reagan's quips. There you go again. And are you better off now than you were four years ago? Ronald Reagan ended up winning the 1980 election in a definitive and unprecedented landslide. You ready? 489 to 49. 489 to 49. Never has there been something this embarrassing? What's wild about this is, guys, he won 44 out of 50 states. Think about that. It's one of the most embarrassing losses ever because Carter had the lead. And last minute, Reagan makes a comeback. And obviously, the rest is history. So before we go to Obama, Hillary, and McCain, let me give you a quick respect to Bill Clinton against President Bush, senior two-term vice president, director of CIA, one-term president, father, Senator Prescott. I mean, this is a legacy type of a family you're going up against. Who are you, Bill Clinton, from Arkansas, from Hope, from being the the cutest two-year-old boy? I was in Hope, Arkansas, went to his house where he was born, and I saw he won all these awards for being a cute boy. He was a cute boy himself. Went and asked everybody about Bill Clinton. But being a president, my wife and Bill Clinton went to the same middle school. Okay, not the same age but to the same middle school. And he was the first president I ever shook hands when I was working at haagen in Glendale Galleria. He shook this kid's hand his second term. He got my vote. First president I ever voted for, and I made $50 off his vote with an uncle of mine. Well, Bill Clinton comes out of nowhere, and he beats Senior. And Senior becomes a one-term president. Now, Senior will say it was all Ross Perot's fault, but regardless of what happens, this charismatic center-left, distancing himself from traditional liberals, ends up becoming a president and a two-term president, Bill Clinton. But let's go to the last one here. We got Obama, McCain. Here's the part with Obama. Obama gives a speech in 2008. That's great. But Hillary Clinton, I mean, this is like senator, secretary of state, husband's a two-term president. Clinton's got a very strong word. It's one of the most powerful political families in America, the most powerful political couple in America, both way more than Michelle and Barack Obama today. And she decides to run. No one's supposed to beat her. Definitely not this one-term senator. Who are you, one-term senator, motivational speaker? You're not going to beat me. Not only does he beat her, then he goes up against McCain, who has a resume, this thick of a resume, prisoner of war. This guy's got one of the best resumes ever. And what ends up happening when you look at this chart here in 2008, at first, Obama wins Iowa caucuses, so he's got a lead. Then all of a sudden, Super Tuesday takes place, and McCain's got the lead. Okay, so he wins the Florida primary. And like, no, McCain's going to win it. Then next thing you know, boom, right after Super Tuesday, Obama takes off. He wins the nomination. Everything's going their way. Then suddenly, right before election time, a couple weeks before it, McCain takes a lead right after AIG seized Lehman Brothers, bankruptcy, all that stuff's going on. They said, we got to kind of lean on this McCain guy. Then all of a sudden, it's as if Obama went on a run and it was game over. He ended up winning 365, 173, wasn't even close, but he was an underdog and he beat two favorites, heavyweight Hillary Clinton and heavyweight McCain at the same time.
Now, before I give you the last one here on the greatest like underdog guy winning president, all this stuff, I think you kind of know where I'm going. I want to give you some data before I go through that. So here's how much money's been raised since 1960 till today for every single election. If you look at Nixon against Kennedy, Nixon raised 10.1 million, Kennedy raised 9.8 million, Kennedy ends up winning. Next one, Goldwater raised 16 million, Johnson raises 8.8, but guess who wins? Johnson wins. Next one, Nixon raises 25.4 million, Humphrey raises 11.6, more than doubling, Nixon obviously wins. Nixon raises 61.4 million, doubling McGovern. Nixon wins. Next, 435 Carter, 33 Carter wins. Reagan, 57.7 million. Carter, 49 million. Reagan wins. Next one, Reagan raises 67.5 a million more than Mondale. Reagan wins. Bush Sr., 80 to 77 Dukakis. Bush Sr. wins. Again, Bush Sr. versus Clinton, 97 million to 107.9 million. Clinton wins. Dole, 66.8. Goes against Clinton, 115 million. This is Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton wins. Then you got Bush Jr. going against Gore. $60 million more raised. Bush wins. Bush again beats Kerry. He raised 355. Kerry raised 332. Bush wins. McCain against Obama. Obama nearly 4X McCain, 760 to 239 million. Obama wins. And the next one, Obama against Romney, 737 to Romney's 483. Obama wins. Then if you look at Hillary Clinton against Trump, Hillary Clinton 580, Trump 340, Trump wins. Biden against Trump, Biden raised 1.68 billion, Trump raised 1 billion, 60 million, and Biden wins. So if you look at this and see how many times a person who raised less money won, you would notice it's Kennedy, it's Johnson, it's Carter, and Trump. Almost every single time whoever raised more money wins the whole thing. These are some of the underdogs. So, so here's what you'll notice. If we look at this and we think about a pattern, there's only been four times where somebody who raised less money won. One is Kennedy, 60. One is Johnson, 64. The other is Carter, 76. And the other is Trump, 2016. The last time somebody who raised less money, he raised half the money Hillary did. The last time that happened was 1976. It hasn't happened for 40 years, right? So now if we look at this and we go to the Trump-Hillary campaign, what will you notice? This is what you'll notice. I want you to look at this election odds, okay? Well, who's gonna win? If you look at the dates, Trump versus Clinton, Clinton had a negative 110 odds. That means you have to bet $110 to win $100. And with Trump, as of August 5th, 2015, you had to bet, if you bet $100, you would've won $2,500. And it goes, 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 goes all the way up to October 25th. On October 25th, a weekend and a half before voting. In order for you to win $100 with Hillary Clinton, you had to bet $550 to win $100. And with Trump, if you bet $100, you win $350. You know what that tells you? Everybody sat there and said, guys, come on, let's not get it twisted. Hillary Clinton's going to be our next president. Trump is out. Everybody knew this. However, there's a couple things I remember. I would be on Facebook and I would see Trump, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 Facebook lives in different places. He's given a speech. And you would only see Hillary given one speech a week, two speech a week. I'm sitting there saying, 50, 70,000 people are coming to see this guy. How is this possible? This guy's going to lose. That's kind of crazy. But maybe, maybe she raised twice as much money than him. Maybe that's what it is. The ads are going to work. And then what results do we get? All of us at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. President Donald Trump, and you see Donald Trump walking on stage with him and his wife. And you're like, wait, they don't even think they won. Look at their, they were surprised. Even he said it. I looked at Ivanka, I'm like, did we really win this thing? We did. Pretty wild, man. I didn't think we were going to be presidents. And he gets a call from Hillary Clinton. 
Now, let me go a little bit more because there are certain qualities that Gallup did to say who was likelihood to become the president based on what qualities. There are four people they're looking at here. These were like the four candidates they thought was most likely to become president. Hillary Clinton, Ted Cruz, Bernie Sanders, and Donald Trump. Out of all of these things that they have, which is, I want to say it's 12 different qualities, Trump only was leading in two out of the 12. Let me give you exactly these qualities. Intense. Bernie Sanders won that with 44%. Competitive. Bernie Sanders first place. Inspiring. Hillary Clinton. Clinton 71, no one even was in 60s. Courageous, Hillary Clinton 61, no one was even in the 50s. Prepared, Trump beating Hillary by one. Consistent, Hillary. Enthusiastic, Hillary got 50, Trump only got 27. Cares about individuals, Trump got 68, beating Hillary by one, 61%. And the rest, it's a sweep. Emphasize success, Hillary Clinton 52, Trump only 25. Trump is like, his brand is success, but they gave it to Hillary. Gallup. Analytical, Hillary 53. Focused, Hillary 44. Visionary, Hillary 65. But, but at the end of the day, we know who won. Trump won. And by the way, Hillary Clinton lost to a one-term senator and lost to Trump, who's never ran for office before. I mean, and she's got the biggest. Imagine being that. Like, your entire dream for 50 years has been to become the president, and you miss out. But there's a couple things you need to look at here together. So, in 2010, they passed the Citizens United versus FEC to important to know this. The Supreme Court ruled five to four that the freedom of speech clause of the First Amendment prohibits the government from restricting independent expenditures for political campaigns by corporations, including nonprofit corporations, labor unions, and other associations. This ruling allowed corporations and other outside groups to spend, keyword, unlimited money on elections. Look at the kind of money we raised. When you look at this chart from Statista, in 2003-2004 election, we raised $891 million total presidential election. 2008, it doubles. That's the Obama year. To $1.769 billion. Next one, $1.4 billion. Next one, $1.529 billion. That's Trump-Hillary. But look at 2020, when it's Biden-Trump. $4 billion, $58 million. Almost more money than the three previous elections. That is insane to think that people at the top can just have an open checkbook to spend money and say, I'm literally going to buy your presidency is what I'm going to do because I'm going to run nonstop negative ads until you win. So when you look at this, when you look at some candidates, RFK, why is he getting momentum? Nobody thought he was going to, everybody thought he's just a conspiracy theory guy writing a book against Fauci because he's pissed off at Fauci. Isn't he an environmental lawyer? Like He's got a bad voice. This guy shouldn't be doing a better job than some of these. Who's this Vivette guy, by the way? I don't even know. 37 years old. He's a billionaire. He comes in. He makes a lot of sense. Why is he getting all these eyeballs? He's everywhere. Everywhere I look at here, he's here. Then he's here. Then he's here. Then he's here. He's about to do a town hall with us next week. He's going to be with us here. Why is he everywhere? He's the underdog. Trump against DeSantis. Some would say Trump in a way was an underdog based on who raised more money. You look at these different things, you start realizing money matters, but it's not just money. They said five qualities to be a president. Number one, personal success, like you have to be a winner. Number two, demonstrated commitment to the community. People have to trust that you care about them. Number three, Integrity, are you honest? Number four, intelligence. And number five, consistent political philosophies. This definitely didn't work for John Kerry when he was flip-flopping because they said, you don't really have consistent philosophies. To one crowd, you say one thing. To another crowd, you say another thing. We don't believe you. You're not consistent. We don't want you, even though you're a Yale guy. So they look at that stuff. Now, if you look at this next one, what Democrats care about versus Republicans, empathy. Democrats care about that 69 to Republicans, 48. Strength, 76 to 64 Republicans. Honesty, Democrats value that 81 to 71. Audacity, Republicans value that 38 to 28. Taking responsibility, it's about the same, but Democrats, 85, Republicans, 80. Competence, 77, 77. This is when Biden was going up against Trump. 
Trump. And when they measured the two against each other, strength, they gave it to Trump. 89 to 64. Competence, they gave it to Trump. Takes responsibility, they gave it to Biden. Honesty, they gave it to Biden. Audacity, they definitely gave that to Trump. And empathy, they gave it to Biden by 20 points and we know who won. So picking who's gonna win day one without us even having seen a single debate yet, it's very early to do so. Anybody can make a combat, including DeSantis, but you have to pay attention to a lot of different factors. It's not just one thing or another. And by the way, when you look at some of the most embarrassing gaps, we can find a lot of them. Here's one of them, Marco Rubio against Chris Christie. When Chris Christie said, watch, he keeps saying this one-liner over and over again. And the line was this notion that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. Matter of fact, I'll just let you see when Chris Christie calls him out. Here he is. Let's dispel with this fiction that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. This notion that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing is just not true. There it is. He knows exactly what he's doing. There it is, the memorized 25-second speech. Well, that's the, that's there the it reason is, why this campaign is so important. Now, obviously, right after that, people said Marco Rubio is done with. There's no way he can compete, and it was pretty much done for him. The next one, a lot of people think Joe Biden is the goat for falling. Before there was a Joe Biden, there was a Bob Dole. And Bob Dole's fall is by far a greater fall. Now, obviously, we don't want anybody to get hurt. When you fall like this, this video is going to be shown everywhere. Matter of fact, Bob Dole, if he fell like this today, that clip would be getting billions of views. Here's the clip of Bob Dole falling. This next one, got to give it to Obama and his marketing campaign. Romney gets up and gives this incredible song. And then Romney's campaign takes that song. It opens it up with Obama saying, I endorse this message. And then Romney is singing this song. And then they said, everything Romney is touching. He has money in Bermuda. He has money in Caymans. Here's what he's doing to his employees. Is this a person you want to solve your problems? He's not it. Boom. Obama uses that, helps him. Romney's out. They go with Obama. I'm Barack Obama, and I approve this message. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of gray, for purple mountains, majesty above the fruited plain. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with bright. And last but not least, this is this guy's got to be the goat. I mean, this is. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to come at this guy's level. Howard Dean crushed it at one point for a split second. He thought he was the second coming of Tony Robbins. I'll just let you judge it for yourself. You know something? You know something? If you had told us one year ago that we were going to come in third in Iowa, we would have given anything for that. And you know something? You know something? Not only are we going to New Hampshire, Tom Harkin, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. I mean, you didn't have to do that, bro. What are you doing screaming? I mean, who told you that's a good idea? It's over for him right after that. And last but not least, Dukakis is going up against Bush, and he's trying to sell the fact that he's tough in military. And then his team, somebody on his team, thought this was a good idea when they did this. It was a laughing stock. It was over after this day. Check this out. Michael Dukakis has opposed virtually every defense system we developed. He opposed new aircraft carriers. He opposed anti-satellite weapons. He opposed four missile systems, including the Pershing II missile deployment. Dukakis opposed the stealth bomber and a ground emergency warning system against nuclear attack. He even criticized our rescue mission to Grenada and our strike on Libya. 
And now he wants to be our commander-in-chief. America can't afford that risk. Terrible idea, but somebody thought it was a good idea. Look, we can say one-liners, you know, there you go again, because you'd be in jail. You know how many one-liners we can come up with on all this stuff to give it to them? There's so many factors that goes into this, but this is why. When I had Ari Fleischer here on the podcast, and I said, there's so many different industries for you to get into to make money. Why politics? He says, because I love competition and there is nothing better. He says, in every competition, there's a score. You can say, you shoot a three-pointer, you get three points. You catch a touchdown, six points. You get the extra point, one point. He says, the only sport that there is no way to score a point, but who can sell ideas better and who's a marketer is politics. He says, you got to love this competition. This is why so many people tune in. Now, a big part outside of competition, it's also policies that's going to dictate which direction America goes. So a lot is on the line, but it's way too early for us to decide who's going to be the president in 2024. So if you got value out of this video, give it a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. I got another video I want you to watch is the anti-establishment presidents and, and why free thinkers. If you're a free thinker, if you're a true value tainer, you're typically somebody that's anti-establishment if you've never seen this video before, I highly recommend you watching this. Click here to watch that video. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye.